Welcome to A Well Cared For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello, humans. It's your host, Corey, and today we're going to talk about growth. Many of us wish that we had different lives or that we wish we were different people. As someone who has changed a lot over the years, I have some good and bad news for you. (laughs) The good news is that you can absolutely change who you are, or you can create better conditions for yourself or for your life. The worst part, in my opinion, is that change is never comfortable. And that's so important to understand, so I'm going to say it again. If you want to change, whether that's your life or yourself, you're going to have to prepare to be uncomfortable. And this could be physical discomfort, it could be mental or emotional discomfort, or spiritual discomfort, or discomfort in your relationships. Notice that I'm hitting all four pillars here. And if you don't know what I mean when I'm referring to the four pillars, if you're new here, for example, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Go back and listen to the very first episode of this show in which I outline what the four pillars are and how they are essentially the foundation for everything that I talk about in this show. So please go and listen to episode one where I introduce the idea. But growth, there's a reason why they call it growing pains or the borderline cliche image of the caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Did you know that inside that cocoon, they're not just gently churning from a squishy little caterpillar into these lovely butterflies? They literally melt. (laughs) They disintegrate all of their tissues until they're just like a soup, and then that soup reforms into a butterfly. And I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty painful to me. And the same can be true for changing. Regardless of what it is that you want to change, it's going to be very uncomfortable. And the reason why that's so often a problem is because when we feel uncomfortable, typically when humans feel uncomfortable, we feel like something is wrong, that maybe that's a message that we're doing something wrong, that we need to change what we're doing. Because obviously, if we were doing something right, if everything was good, we wouldn't be uncomfortable. And so it can be very difficult to wrap your mind around the idea that discomfort might actually be a good thing or discomfort might actually be a sign that you're moving in the right direction, not in the wrong direction. And so it does require a mindset shift on our part, the acceptance of this idea that if we are uncomfortable in some way, it might actually be a great sign, not a sign that something's wrong. And I'm going to give you some examples of areas in my life where I had to transition, where I had to move from one state of being or one version of myself to a new state of being, a new version of myself, and the uncomfortable experiences that I had during that transition. So for the body pillar, for the first pillar where my relationship with my body transformed, We can look at my experiences of healing bulimia. For those of you who don't know, I was bulimic for about a year and a half, maybe two years. And it was basically the pentacle of my, I don't want to call it hate for my body, but also loathing doesn't feel accurate. (laughs) 
I was just very unhappy and I didn't love it and I didn't know how to take care of it and everything about it felt wrong and so I had developed this tendency to try to take control of the situation and of myself and try to force my body to be what it wasn't and I thought somehow you know these wires got crossed that I could eat what I wanted and free myself in that way as long as I then threw everything up. We don't need to go into how this is obviously a very illogical way to view one's situation. It was the product of having the extreme environment that I had growing up in which I had to be so controlled and restricted in my mind and my emotions and just existing. Everything about the way I existed was, quote, not allowed. And so it was my first step of moving toward me trying to find out how to continue to adhere to these, quote, not allowed forms of existence, but then also free myself somehow. When you make changes early in the process, it's very possible that your first one or two or ten tries are not going to be the most healthy options that you choose. So you will have to move through these experiences gradually, is often the case with growth. So what did my growth my transformation of my relationship with my body look like? Well, it started with the trauma aspect, which is my father was very verbally abusive about my body, basically told me that everything was wrong with it. I had a lot of feedback growing up about how I was pigeon-toed and I don't walk straight and I don't sit up straight and my teeth were too big and my skin was bad and I was too chubby and lots of criticism about my body. So I certainly absorbed this messaging that my body was bad and I should not love my body because it is a bad body. And when I became aware that I had that messaging, I wanted to move away from that. So what I wanted to change, what I wanted to grow from, was someone who hated her body to someone who loved her body unconditionally. Sickness or in health, perfection, imperfection, no matter what, I wanted to love my body, to be happy with my body, to be proud of my body, to enjoy being in my body, and grateful for all the things that I could do with it. But I'm sure I don't need to tell you that that would be quite a bit of distance to cover <laughs> 20-something years of being told how terrible it is. Now deciding that I'm going to love it, that was quite a bit of distance to traverse. So what the growth process looked like was very messy in the beginning. I was still doing a lot of things that were very unhealthy. So I had identified my aspiration, which was to love my body or to make changes to my body that were healthy. But what my actions reflected was not always in alignment with that, for example, the bulimia. And so I essentially had to work to grow from one place to another. And I did that by, let's call it purifying my thoughts, actions, and speech about my body. And so thoughts was how I think about my body, the way that I felt when I looked at it in the mirror, the negative self-talk I was having about my body. So often when we look into the mirror and we look at ourselves, we think, you know, oh, I don't like this and this, or God, that's ugly, or why is it like that? A lot of negative self-talk. So I had to break that habit. Same for speech. So if I was with my friends and someone said something, I'd be like, oh no, I'm so fat. I've been gaining so much weight. I had to break the habit of speaking about myself that way. So not just internal thoughts, but actually external thoughts as well. I could no longer speak about my body the way I had in the past. And I also could not accept other people speaking 
terribly about me as well. So there had to be boundaries. I had to learn how to put up boundaries between me and others. And then action is I had to change my actions from unhealthy actions to loving actions. So instead of indulging in a binge or purging cycle, which is actually very hard on the body, I always felt very sick and terrible after I did one of those sessions because the body is not meant to eat and throw up like that. It's not great for you. If I have to say that, (laughs) it's not healthy. And so my body very much felt like this is not healthy. This feels terrible. So I had to stop myself from doing the things that were hurting my body. And it required a lot of breaking habits along the way, a lot of letting go of beliefs I had about myself and what was possible. And so there was this transformation from the inside out and every step of the way was uncomfortable. It didn't feel great when I was trying to break the habit of binging and purging. It didn't feel great when I was trying to stop myself from saying terrible things about myself when I was with my friends or family. It didn't feel good trying to do something healthy instead. Sitting down and just eating and then not indulging in the impulse to get up and go throw it up, that was very uncomfortable. And so moving from one place to another is not going to feel comfortable. It's going to feel impossible some of the time. Actually, when you're doing these things, it's going to be like, gosh, can I even do this? I don't know if I can do this. An example of the mind transformation is a lot of this negative self-talk that I brought up before. So again, thinking terrible things about myself or believing that I can't do something or that no one loves me, no one's ever going to love me. And that might be the best example of how I viewed myself in relationship to others. So before I had met Kim, who is now my wife, if you don't know who the heck Kim is, I'm married to a lovely woman named Kim. But before her, there was several relationships that were very toxic. Lots of cheating, lots of lying, lots of emotional residue and manipulation, lots of very negative kind of cyclic patterns, unhealthy patterns with people. And I went through that and endured that because I had this belief that no one would really love me for who I was. No one would really accept me for who I was. And so I should just take whatever I can get. even though these were not the best relationships. These relationships, in fact, were not healthy at all. I had this limiting belief that I could never do any better, and so I didn't try to do any better. And I had this fear that if I stopped dating this kind of person, that I would just be alone forever. And so because I was afraid of being alone, quote, forever, I didn't step away from the situation for a long time. Eventually, I did. I accepted an invitation to go to a school out of state. I moved away from my toxic dating pool. And then when I got to my new place in Michigan, which is about 500 miles away from where I was, so little chance that I was going to accidentally stumble and fall into bed with one of these exes, (laughs) which I had a habit of doing. Oops, whoops, how did I end up here again? Bad habits all around. I was able to move away from that first by removing myself approximately, so I could not do the thing. For example, if you struggle with drinking, if you don't have any alcohol near you and you can't really easily get to it, you know, it's harder to continue to do the bad habit that you have. Of course, if you're very addicted, you're going to find a way. But fortunately, I was too far away from everyone and I'm too introverted and shy just to go out and pick someone up from a bar. (laughs) So that wasn't happening either. And so slowly I was able to, through this kind of vowed chastity phase, break myself of these habits. Essentially, I told myself I was not going to date again until I fixed whatever the heck was going on in my head that kept making me accept relationships like that. Moving from one unhealthy relationship to the next, I was like, I'm just going to get myself enough therapy or work or whatever it is until I no longer think or do those things. But it was very uncomfortable. 
you know, I was often very lonely. I often felt like I would never find anyone. I often felt like I didn't deserve anyone, that no one would love me as I was. And so holding that space, the difficulty of holding the space for the you that you want to come is very hard. So I knew that there was a version of Corey that I was trying to bring into existence who would not only love herself, everything about her, including her body, but she would love herself enough that she only accepted very loving relationships. Then I had to hold space for her to emerge. But I was at the same time warring with all these different feelings about how it's never going to happen and I'm not worthy. And again, it was very uncomfortable, this period of growth. And same for emotional transformation. So one of the reasons I was caught up in these codependent toxic relationships and why I was struggling so much emotionally in my life was because of reactivity. Reactivity, if you're not aware, is the reaction that you have to certain events. So if someone does something or says something, how quick are you to react to that? If you're very highly reactive, you immediately do something. So for example, if someone, I don't know, calls you a bad word and you slap them, like without even thinking, you just bam, that's your reaction, then you have a high reactivity rate. Or if something discouraging happens and immediately you're spiraling, you're in a state of despair, you feel like the world is absolutely falling apart around you because of this negative conversation that you had or maybe a setback at work. I mean, it could be anything. Triggers are all personal, so I can't guess what all of your triggers are, but you're triggered by something and then how fast and hard you fall is a good indicator of how reactive you are. So if you fall hard and fast, <laughs> you are highly reactive. And I was highly reactive for a very long time. Part of that is because of my traumatic background. I had a very volatile experience growing up. The people around me were all very reactive. And so you could go from laughing one second to literally the next second. It's a fist fight. And so I adopted this reactivity as a survival instinct. I needed to also be very quick on my feet, so to speak, in a situation because things could turn. However, it's actually counterintuitive because if you're able to remain where you are emotionally or physically and take in the situation, then you can consciously make a decision rather than just reacting however you do instinctively, which is also often not the best choice because it's not a well thought out choice or it's not a good option. You just pick the thing that comes to you first. Working through that emotional reactivity, and this was done a lot in the therapy that I did, which is where things would happen, I would have triggers, and then I would have to sit with that horrible feeling rather than do something. And in the beginning, there was no such thing as a brilliant idea coming to me. <laughs> like, we hold this space, quote, between trigger and reaction so that we can think, so that we can plan, so that we can make the best move, right? Not the compulsive move, but the best move. But in the beginning, when you're first trying this, when you're first holding yourself back from reacting, there is no thought. <laughs> There's no brilliant scheme that's coming to you. All that's happening is just like a, a chord of terror in your mind. Uh, ah, why am I not doing anything? <laughs> you know, so for a long time, that was just all that was happening was just me panicking about not doing something. And so that panic is very uncomfortable. Moving away from the situation was uncomfortable. And I thought because I was panicking, it meant that I was doing something wrong. But in fact, I wasn't. I was moving in the right direction because being less reactive is very empowering. It puts you in a much stronger position in your life to make better choices for you. Being less reactive is wonderful, but learning to be less reactive is incredibly uncomfortable. 
you will feel like everything in you is telling you, what are you doing? You have to do something now or you're going to die. And that's a strong voice to be up against for a long time. It's difficult to hold that position. If you listen to the Who Killed My Mother podcast, that was definitely a transformational experience moving from the place where I had lost my mother and I was up against all of the guilt I had for not having been able to save her to the end of that story, which is me having found peace and resolution. Every step of that, I'm sure you will hear my discomfort if you listen to that story. And so that transition was not easy. But I also gained so much from that transformation. And I have healed tremendously in my relationship with her and how I view her and my family through that experience. But moving from one place to another, that was not easy. Very uncomfortable. I guess that's something else I should add here to keep in mind that sometimes we choose where we're going to grow, how we're going to grow. So I chose to try to heal my relationship with my body. I chose to heal my relationship with my mind and my emotions to try to be more stable and healthy and to change my relationship patterns. I did not choose to have a spiritual transformation by having my mother murdered. That was not something that I signed up for. And so there will be things in your life where you consciously make choices to change something about your situation. There will be other times where the universe, quote, gifts you with a change opportunity, gifts you with an opportunity for growth. It will not feel like a gift. (laughs) You will absolutely, in fact, be looking for the return to cinder. address. There will be none, I'm sorry to tell you. And so when those situations come up, there's an extra layer of difficulty because not only is it difficult to grow, is it uncomfortable to grow, but you'll also be thinking this whole time, I did not want this. I did not ask for this. Why is this happening to me? And that adds another layer of discomfort because you're rejecting what's happening rather than just coming at it from a place of acceptance. And I'm not saying shut up and accept it. If you had said that to me after my mother had been murdered, Lord knows what I would have done. (laughs) I guess we would have found out how much I had healed my reactivity. (laughs) We would have discovered together. So there's no way to tell you, you know, just surrender and accept whatever's happening because I know that that's not that easy. You can't just say that to a person. But I am pointing out that often us pushing back against experiences that, quote, the universe has gifted us, it's going to be even less comfortable because not only is it the situation that's uncomfortable, but it's our own mind telling us about, we didn't want this, we didn't ask for this, why is this happening to us? And then same for relationships with other people. I touched on this a little bit when I used the example of my absolutely horrible taste in previous partners. But there's also even relationships with your family. If you have habitual patterns or toxic relationships within your family and you've been having those all your life, it can be really hard to tell yourself, well, we're not going to do that anymore. I envision a healthy relationship with my family or I envision going out into the world and building a chosen family that is everything that I wanted, that is healthy, that is loving, that is supportive. It's not abusive. They don't tear me down. They're backing me 120%, which is something else I had to do. I left my birth family to create my own family with my friends and with my wife, and I also inherited some people from her. (laughs) But my new family is very different than my old family. But again, there was this whole period of time in between where I felt very alone, where I felt very unlovable, I felt very misunderstood, and it wasn't comfortable. It did not feel like something somebody would voluntarily choose. Even though I was growing into what I wanted, it was not comfortable. So my best advice for you 
is to go through these transitions from where you are to where you want to be with as much patience and grace as you possibly can. Try to keep a nice balance between what you want for yourself, your ambition, your goal, your dream, and where you are. Don't bring out the whip and beat yourself if things don't happen as quickly as you would like them to or if you're not in love with where you're starting. Try not to bring any self-violence to the equation. Absolutely try to let go of all the things that you think they should be. So if you're like, I should be like this, I should be doing this, and it should be like this, that's a lot of pressure and pain to put on yourself in a situation that's already challenging. Growth is hard. You don't need to make it harder on yourself by being unkind to yourself. You will need a lot of care during these transition phases. It's more important that you speak to yourself kindly and lovingly because you're already going to be incredibly uncomfortable. If you're going to go through these difficult growth phases where you're going to be really uncomfortable between one phase and the next phase, one version of you and the next version of you, if you're going to be really uncomfortable, you have the choice of how you're going to deal with yourself in that period of time. Are you gonna be very loving to yourself? Are you gonna be very kind and considerate of yourself? Are you gonna handle yourself with a lot of care? Or are you gonna crack the whip and beat yourself up? Which one do you think is gonna help you grow into the person that you wanna be or into the life that you want more quickly? There's a really strong misconception, and I don't know if that's just an American culture thing where it's like, pull yourself up and get where you wanna go. I don't know if that's what's going on or if it's just human nature unclear to me, but we really have a tendency to feel as though we gotta whip ourselves to the other side. But let me tell you, as someone who's gone through many growth changes, the more loving I am to myself, the more gentle I am with myself, the faster I grow to the other side. Beating myself has only ever slowed me down. It's never spurred me to where I wanted to go faster at all. I've never had that experience. And when I do arrive, I'm so beat up. I can't even appreciate where I am, you know? Like, why did I do it like that? We usually want to rush it because we're so uncomfortable. We want the uncomfortableness to end. So we think if we just push ourselves harder, we'll get out of it faster. But the rushing and the pushing, it only makes it worse. It only makes it harder. So if you can, and by whatever means you can, try to relax into it. Try to accept what's happening. Try to get comfortable with your discomfort. Breathe through it. Join with it completely and watch your transformation unfold. And that's it for today, dear human. As always, I hope you found this episode useful and that if you're dealing with some growth in your life, that you are able to tackle it with as much love and patience and acceptance as possible. Not easy, I know, but I promise you, you won't be in that cycle forever. Transitions are meant to be temporary, so just hang in there. And if you would like to write into the show today and ask for my thoughts on something that you're dealing with, I would love to hear from you through any of my social media or through email, Corey at CoreyMshrum.com. I'd also like to let you know that the show is going on a short break for the holidays, just a couple of weeks, because like everybody else, I am very busy this time of year, and it's hard for me to write and produce episodes while I'm traveling and visiting with people, so bear with me. I'm going to be gone for a couple weeks, but I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas, a very Happy Holidays, Happy Happy New Year, and I want to assure you that I will be back in January with another episode of A Well-Cared-For Human, and until then, Please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. 
If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.